For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Elijah Message and Ministry. This is part two of the series. Now let's look what are some of the characteristics of Baal worship, because the nation of Israel was involved in Baal worship. Baal worship comes about when you don't follow Torah, and in not doing so, the Bible says that you're following idolatry. Second Kings chapter 17, verses 15 and 16. They rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers. They left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images and served Baal. You see what they did? They left his commandments, his Torah, and they served Baal. Baal worship was done in the temple of the God of Israel. Second Kings chapter 22, in verses 3 and 4, it is written. It came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah, he's a king of Judah, that the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the keepers of the door, to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. Was it that just Baal worship and Baal worship alone that was done in the temple? You believe there was no prayer done under the God of Israel and there was nothing done in the temple that was in part what he had commanded to do? You know that there were things done in that temple that the God of Israel commanded to be done, but they had brought in other things that were associated with Baal. That was the problem. And this Baal worship involved setting up of sacred trees in the temple of the God of Israel. 2 Kings chapter 23 verse 4, And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the the grove. The word grove is the Strong's number 842. It's the Hebrew word Asherah and an Asherah was something that was a part of the Canaanite worship system and it was a sacred tree that was set up near an altar. Baal worship also involved worshiping Ashtardi or Ishtar, which has been anglicized into Easter. Judges chapter 2 verses 11 and 13. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and they served Baalim. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth is the Strong's number 6252, which is the Hebrew word Ashtoreth. And this was a Canaanite goddess that was related to sex and fertility. Now in going to traditional Christian church, 
when it was Christmas season, you know where I saw in the, the, the church that I grew up in, where they put the Christmas tree at? Right by the altar. And that's exactly what the children of Israel did. They set up the Asherah or the grove in the temple of the Lord. And this custom that the children of Israel did in serving Baal and Ashtoreth, the goddess of sex and fertility, that custom has been incorporated in various cultures and it's from these customs where we have the Easter bunny, the Easter egg, and the fertility that is associated with the celebration of the spring of the year. Now, Baal worship also involved sun worship. Second Kings chapter 22, verse 3 and verse 5. It came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that he put down the idolatrous priests, them also that burned incense unto Baal to the sun and to all the host of heaven. I have here for you in this slide a artist's rendition of Yeshua. And I want you to notice above his head there's a little halo. And if you've been to church throughout the last 20, 30 years or in your life, you probably would have seen pictures in your church on the church wall where there's this halo over there. That halo is associated with sun worship. As a matter of fact, I have on the top picture a picture of the Vatican in Rome. And if you study the layout of the Vatican, it is laid out according to symbols of sun worship. And in the middle of the Vatican, there's an obelisk. And that obelisk in ancient Egypt was associated with sun worship. So we have incorporated into the faith today those that believe Yeshua is the Messiah. And by the way, he is the Messiah. That is correct. That is biblical. We've brought in the customs of the nations and incorporated it and mixed it with true faith and Yeshua as the Messiah. And this is what Elijah comes in the end of days and points out. Baal worship involves sacrifices and burnt offerings. 2 Kings chapter 10, verses 20 through 22, verse 24 and verse 28, it is written. And Jehu said, proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal, and they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent through all Israel and all the worshipers of Baal. And he said unto him that was over the vestry, bring forth vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. And when they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings, thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. See, Jehu set up a test for those who were Baal worshipers. And when all those assembled who were the Baal worshipers, then he destroyed the Baal worshipers. So let's look at these scriptures that spoke of Baal worship and how it was done in the nation of Israel. Baal worship was done in the temple of the God of Israel. They were also worshiping him, that is the God of Israel, in the temple. So this was mixed worship unto him in his temple. Baal worship involved setting up sacred trees or Asherah trees near an altar. It involved the worship of Ashtardi or Ishtar or it's been anglicized as Easter, which is the fertility cult. It involved the offering of sacrifices and burnt offerings. It involved sun worship. Jeroboam set up a mixed worship system. Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom. And in first kings, we're told that the worship system that he sent up was likened unto the building of the golden calf, which the children of Israel did in the wilderness after they received the Ten Commandments. First Kings chapter 12, verse 28 and verse 29, it is written, Whereupon 
Thereupon the king took counsel and he made two calves of gold and said, it's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. This is making a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, where in the Torah, it says three times a year, all the males are to go to Jerusalem, where Jeroboam didn't want the men of Israel to go to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was under the jurisdiction of Rehoboam, king of Judah. And he didn't want the allegiance to turn to Rehoboam and not to him. So he says, no, we can't have the people go to Jerusalem. We will do what is done in Jerusalem, but we will do it as it says in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 29. We will do it in two other places, Bethel and also in Dan. Then in doing so, Jeroboam, he celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, which is in the Torah says it is the seventh month and the 15th day of the month. He kept the Feast of Tabernacles, but he said, we're going to do it in the eighth month and the 15th day of the month. A substitute place, a substitute time, or substitute holidays. First Kings chapter 12, verse 32, Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day, like under the feast that is in Judah, that is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the seventh month in the 15th day of the month, as is mentioned in Leviticus in chapter 23. Baal worship is a golden calf or mixed worship system. 2 Kings 17, verse 16. They left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images unto two calves. Made them molten images unto two calves. What were they doing? They set up a worship system in Bethel and Dan, which the Bible was calling serving Baal. Let's see how the children of Israel and coming out of Egypt, receiving the Torah by Yeshua at Mount Sinai. Let's look at more closely Exodus in chapter 32, the building of the golden calf. And let's see when the children of Israel built the golden calf, they were proclaiming worship under the God of Israel. Once again, in my mind, as I was watching movies like the Ten Commandments and went to church, I had it in my mind that when they built the golden calf, they weren't worshiping the God of Israel at all. I thought that they were worshiping one of the gods of Egypt. Well, what they did is they made an idol of the God of Israel in their mind and they worshiped him according to the image that they had of him in their mind. Let's see this. Exodus chapter 32, verses 4 through 6. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation regarding the building of the golden calf. And this is what he says to the people regarding the golden calf. Tomorrow is a feast to Yahweh. They built the calf and said, we're having a feast to Yahweh, the one that brought us out of Egypt. And so it says in verse 6, they rose up early on the morrow and they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. I'd like to submit to you that having a festival and having burnt offerings and peace offerings is how the God of Israel said in the Torah that he was to be worshipped. They're doing it the way he said be worshipped, but they said the God of Israel is that calf. They made an image of the God of Israel in their mind and they feared him according to the imagination in their heart. And I'd like to submit to you that that is the case in Christianity today. 
we've made an image of how the God of Israel is to be worshipped and we do it according to that image and not according to how is specified in the Torah. And that is why Elijah comes in the end of days and points out and makes the distinction and says, choose what you're going to do. Quit following this mixed worship And if you believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, he's the lawgiver, then worship him according to how he said he wanted to be worshipped in the Torah because this is a part of preparing for his second coming. Messiah isn't coming for a bride that's involved in mixed worship. He's coming for a bride that worships him in spirit and in truth. What happened then when the children of Israel built this golden calf? They made a festival unto it which was mixed worship of the God of Israel. They offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and there was substitute biblical holidays. Now let's look at Baal worship, which the Bible also calls the golden calf system of worship, which is mixed worship under the God of Israel, and see how it's incorporated into our belief as Yeshua is the Messiah today. On one hand, we proclaim that Yeshua is the Messiah and he died on the cross and he shed his blood to save sinners. That is absolutely, totally true. That is a valid and accurate message. But we mix faith in him by saying we need to celebrate Christmas and Easter, which is not how the Torah says that the God of Israel is to be worshipped. This is mixed worship. This is a golden calf type of worship. So Elijah comes and says, you're involved in mixed worship. Choose now whether you're going to be involved in this mixed worship or worship the God of Israel according to his Torah. First Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long will you be between two opinions? If the Lord be Lord, follow him. What does it mean, follow him? It means follow Torah. But if Baal, then follow him or the mixed worship system. Therefore, Elijah comes in the end of days and says, in order to prepare for the coming of the Messiah, you need to choose between Sabbath, given in the Torah, or Sunday, which is mixed worship, which ultimately, if you study, came from Constantine and Roman Catholicism. We need to choose whether we're going to be keeping the biblical feasts, which includes Passover, or Easter, which came from Constantine, from Roman Catholicism. Now let's look at reasons why mixed worship is accepted and why the Elijah message is rejected. I have three reasons which I'm going to be covering with you. The first reason is religious tradition and customs that are handed down to succeeding generations, those customs and traditions are so strong that the people want to hold on to the customs and the tradition. Second reason, not fully understanding who Yeshua is. The third reason is the spirit of Jezebel, which is also the spirit of rebellion. Let's look at reason number one, because of religious tradition and custom that has been handed down from generation to generation. And there has been Sunday worship since the time of Constantine, 1700 years. We have Christmas and Easter that got incorporated following these times. Second Kings chapter 17, verse 41, once again says, These nations feared the Lord and served their graven images. Look, both their children and their children's children as their fathers. They're doing it as their fathers, both their children and their children's children. They're fearing the Lord and serving their graven images. 
or more accurately, they're worshiping the God of Israel in the image that they have in their mind from the custom and tradition. Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 15 verse 9, but in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. What is Christianity teaching for doctrine? Sunday. What are they teaching for doctrine? Christmas. What are they teaching for doctrine? Easter. So making the word of God, that is the Torah, of none effect. We don't need to follow Torah through the tradition that has been brought down. In the Wikipedia Encyclopedia, it quotes from the Catholic Virginian, October the 3rd, 1947, where the Catholic Church states explicitly that it was them who changed the Sabbath to Sunday. Other Roman Catholic sources can be cited to show that according to the Catholic Church, there is no scriptural basis for neglecting Saturday observance. From the Catholic Virginian, October the 3rd, 1947, Nowhere in the Bible do we find that Jesus or the apostles ordered that the Sabbath be changed from Saturday to Sunday. We have the commandment of God given to Moses to keep holy the Sabbath day, that is the seventh day of the week, Saturday. Today, most Christians keep Sunday because it has been revealed to us by the Roman Catholic Church outside of the Bible. And what is a term that's given to the non-Catholic Christian world? Protestants. And what does that word mean? Protesters. Protesters of the Catholic Church. Well, there's been protests of the Catholic Church, but not everything of the Catholic Church has been protested. Protestants don't protest Sunday. Protestants don't protest Christmas and Easter. They protest whether you follow the Pope or not. But see, they got their own Pope. It's called the pastor who says we don't follow the Torah. And if he says we don't follow the Torah, then we listen to him. If he says, well, the Bible says we are to keep Sunday, we listen to him. If he says, well, it's okay, it's just whatever's in your heart about Christmas and Easter, we follow him. Next, from the Wikipedia Encyclopedia, in speaking about the first council of Nicaea in 325, we are told it was at this council of Nicaea where it was sanctioned that Easter be celebrated rather than Passover. The first council of Nicaea held in Nicaea in Bithynia, which is present-day Turkey, convoked by the Roman Emperor Constantine I in 325, was the first ecumenical conference of bishops of the Christian church and most significantly resulted in the first uniform Christian doctrine called the Nicene Creed. The council decided in favor of celebrating the resurrection on the first Sunday after the first full moon following the vernal equinox, independently of the Bible's Hebrew calendar, and authorized the Bishop of Alexandria to announce annually the exact date to his fellow bishops when Easter would be celebrated. Once again, from the Wikipedia Encyclopedia, quoting from the Anti-Nicene or before the Nicene Church Fathers, we are told that Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, that he kept Passover and Sabbath, as it is written. Polycarp, a disciple of John, adhered to a Nisan 14, which is biblical Passover observance. Irenaeus, who observed the first Sunday rule, notes of Polycarp, one of the bishops of Asia Minor, for Anicetus could not persuade Polycarp to forego the observance of his Nisan 14 or Passover practice, insomuch as these things had always 
been observed by John, the disciple of the Lord, and by the other apostles with whom he had been and had conversations with. Irenaeus notes that this was not only Polycarp's practice, but that this was the practice of John the disciple and the other apostles that Polycarp knew. What are we being told? That John and the apostles and the disciple of John, Polycarp, they kept Passover. It was the first council of Nicaea that it was declared that Christians don't follow Passover anymore, that they follow Easter, and that this tradition has been brought down for 1700 years as the way to express faith in Yeshua as the Messiah. However, John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 and verse 6, regarding expressing faith in Yeshua as the Messiah, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. What commandments? The Torah. He that says, I know him. He that says, I know Yeshua and doesn't keep his commandments, doesn't follow Torah, is a liar and the truth is not in him. He that says he abides in him, he that says he's a believer and a follower of Yeshua ought himself to walk even as he or Yeshua walked. So how did Yeshua walk or live his life? Because he that abides in him ought to walk as he walked. Well, Yeshua kept Sabbath. Yeshua kept Passover. Let's look at the source of December 25th, which is celebrated as Jesus' birthday. From the Wikipedia Encyclopedia, it is explained to us that December 25th, historically, was the birthday of the sun god. Christmas is an annual holiday that marks the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. The word Christmas is a contraction meaning Christ's Mass. The Romans held a festival on December 25th called Dies Natalis Solus Invicti, meaning the birthday of the unconquered sun. The use of the title Sol Invictus allowed several solar deities or gods to be worshipped collectively, including Elah Gabal, a Syrian sun god, Sol, the god of Emperor Aurelian, and Mithras. So these practices of the religion of the Roman Empire, of which the main religion was sun worship, got incorporated into Christianity at the expense of the Torah. There is a prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19, about the end of days, which says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction. What period of time is the day of affliction? It's the tribulation. So in the end of days, in tribulation times, it says, The Gentiles will come unto you from the end of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies. So what are some of the lies that Christianity has inherited from our fathers? Going back to Constantine, Sunday worship, Christmas, and Easter. The second reason why the Elijah message is rejected, the first being religious tradition, the second is not knowing who Yeshua is. We're told in James chapter 4 verse 12 that there is one lawgiver who is able to save. Who is that one lawgiver who's able to save? It's Yeshua. So the reason why we accept the words, well, we're not to follow the law, is because we don't know that Yeshua is the lawgiver. You know what I would like to believe 
why the majority of Christianity expresses their faith the way they do. Religious tradition and not knowing who Yeshua is. And it's being done out of ignorance. That's what I would like to believe. And that's what I predominantly believe. It is done out of ignorance. If it is being done out of ignorance, which once again, I believe for the most part is the case with the majority of people, then when the truth is presented to them, then the people of the God of Israel should love the truth enough to want to follow the truth. And I see great many who when they hear the truth, they receive the truth and they want to walk in the truth. And the God of Israel winks at our ignorance. But it says in the book of Acts, there's coming a time when he won't wink at our ignorance anymore. And that time has arrived with the message of Elijah. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the Elijah message and ministry. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.